the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. We all struggle with our sin. We all battle with our fleshly desires. And so Paul went on to teach that in order to refrain from gratifying our sinful inclinations, we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. We sure do. We can't overcome our sinful natures without the Holy Spirit's help. And that doesn't just happen. God has given us some responsibility in the process. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be sharing three things we need to do which will help us get and stay under the Spirit's influence. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He's in the midst now of a series about the practical benefits of true spirituality from Galatians chapter 6. Hebrews 10.31 says, It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, sometimes it's pretty terrifying to fall into the hands of a legalistic Christian. And one of the ways we can measure our own spirituality is by how we respond when fellow believers stumble and fall. Do we consider that person worth restoring, or do we condemn and discard those who fall into sin? The right answer is clearly spelled out in Scripture. Here's Pastor Steve now to continue our study. I invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and I want to read to you once again verses 1 through 10, which is a unit of thought will not cover all of these verses today, but I want you to see it in its entirety. Starting in verse 1, Paul says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will... From the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, but in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Many years ago, I heard the story of a veteran missionary who was retiring from the mission field and was being replaced by a young and inexperienced missionary, feeling the weight of his new responsibilities. This young and new missionary approached the veteran missionary and said, Oh, pray for me that I might be nothing. To which the veteran missionary replied, 
you are nothing, take it by faith. Now, I, I know that many of you have heard me tell this story several times, but this morning, as we return to our study of Galatians chapter 6, this exchange of words between these two missionaries is most appropriate, very fitting. And the reason it's so appropriate is because these verses, these opening verses in Galatians 6, especially verse 3, sound very similar to what Paul writes here concerning being nothing when we think that we are something. And they reveal that sometimes we can think more highly of ourselves than, than we should, even when we use spiritual sounding words, pious sounding words, like this young missionary did. But in reality, his words were indicative of a false humility, of a self-righteous pride under the guise of spirituality. That's important for us to understand because in these opening verses in Galatians 6, Paul is continuing to instruct us as he began at the close of chapter 5, what it means to be a real spiritual Christian, someone who is a spiritual Christian. As you recall, in response to the Judaizers' charge that the message of salvation by faith in Christ, apart from any works of the law, would lead, they said, to all kinds of sinful pagan practices. They said the, the Gentile Galatians will fall back into those sinful ways. Paul taught that it isn't the law that restrains us from sin. It's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every true Christian. And he empowers us to say no to our fleshly passions and yes, in obedience to God. And we do it out of the motivation of love and not legalism. But as we all know, having the Spirit of God dwell in us is no guarantee that we're going to refrain from sin. If that were the case, then no Christian would ever have a problem or a struggle with sin. But that's not the case. We all struggle with our sin. We all battle with our fleshly desires. And so Paul went on to teach that in order to refrain from gratifying our sinful inclinations, we need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, which he explained comes about when we take on our responsibility, the three responsibilities God has given us to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we walk in the Spirit by filling our minds with God's Word. We consciously fill our minds with the truth, and we starve then the desires of the flesh. Number two, we choose to crucify our fleshly desires daily. Paul said we have crucified the flesh. We look back at our salvation. We say when we came to Christ, we repented of our sin, and we renounced our old way of life, and we're going to do that every day of our lives. We're not going to take ourselves down from the cross. We're going to let ourselves stay on the cross. We're not going to resuscitate ourselves. We are going to crucify our flesh daily. Number three, we are to walk, Paul said, in the path set down or the line set down by the Holy Spirit by adhering to the truths of His Word. We don't deviate to the left. We don't deviate to the right. We walk in the path of the Spirit of God, which is the Word of God. Now, all of that was laid out by Paul in chapter 5 as he explained how we become spiritual men and women. That's what the last part of this chapter is about, how, we, how this happens, how it, how it becomes a reality in our lives. But as Paul moves into chapter 6, his emphasis changes, note this, from the broad general teaching about what it means to be spiritual to the practical down-to-earth teaching about how those who are spiritual are to treat one another. In other words, he now gives us some very specific applications 
on how spiritual Christians are to act towards their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in this opening passage in chapter 6, Paul spells out three ways that spiritual believers are to minister to one another. With the first one being, as we saw last week, that believers in Christ who are spiritual are, number one, we restore those who have fallen into sin. We are to restore those who have fallen into sin. Verse 1, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now this verse tells us that it is our responsibility to speak to those Christians who fall into sin, any sin, it doesn't matter. And we are to urge them to repent and be restored to fellowship with the Lord. This is to be done, Paul says, in the spirit of gentleness, not harshness, not meanness, the spirit of gentleness, regardless of how you might feel, how uncomfortable you might be, or the awkward feelings that you might have, we are not to ignore or overlook or neglect this person's sin, nor are we to leave it to the pastoral staff to approach this person. Those in the church, those Christians who are walking in the spirit, Paul says, as we all should be, are commanded by God That if we see someone in sin, we are to try to help restore them to fellowship with the Lord. Those who have been overtaken by a sin, we have a responsibility to speak to them and help them be restored. Now, in doing this, the apostle cautions us about falling into sin ourselves. He's not talking in context about sin in general. He's talking about the sin of spiritual pride. Pride. Thinking that we are morally better than the fallen brother or sister that we're trying to restore. Now, I want to just take a few minutes to go over some things that I either didn't cover last week or didn't emphasize as I wanted to. One of the ways that you can know that you are walking in the Spirit is your attitude, your response, the response of your heart when you hear about a fellow Christian who's fallen into sin. If upon hearing that a brother or sister has been involved in something that is, that is just wrong, just a violation of God's word, your initial response is to want to help them, want to help restore that fallen believer to the Lord, then it indicates you are walking in the Spirit because that's the heart of the Spirit. That's the very mind of the Spirit of God. He desires to see that believer restored and, and back on track spiritually. However, if when you hear about a fallen brother or sister, your initial, your initial response is to only condemn, only to scold, only to think, how could they do that? I, I would never do anything like that. If that's your attitude, then you are not walking in the Spirit. You, you are walking in the flesh. And frankly, your attitude then is more like that of a pharisaical legalist than a spirit-filled Christian, because legalists love to look down upon others. Legalists do look down upon others, everyone else, and they love to condemn other people because the, the sin of others makes them look good, makes them feel good about themselves. That's precisely the attitude of the Pharisee that Jesus spoke of in Luke 18. Remember, a Pharisee went up to pray, and so did a tax collector. They wanted to pray at the temple, but it was the Pharisee who said, In his prayers, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then he proceeded to speak of other people, what they were like as he looked down upon them, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. The riffraff of Jewish society. 
That was that very attitude of a legalist who looked down upon others. And remember the attitude of those Pharisees who, upon seeing Jesus dining with sinful people, tax collectors and others, he, they condemned him. And he condemned the people that he was with. But unlike the caring and, and merciless Pharisees, our Lord's heart was not about condemning those people, but about bringing them to repentance. Let me read this to you. Matthew chapter 9. We break in at verse 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors. Remember, tax collectors were usually corrupt people. They were, they were crooks. They were thieves. They worked for the Roman government, and they stole from their own people. They were despised. But Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, and there were many tax collectors, and sinners came. People who were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher, why is the rabbi eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners, meaning calling sinners to repentance. Truth is that nobody is righteous. Jesus came to call all unrighteous people to repentance. But the Pharisees didn't see it that way because they thought they were better than these other people. That's why Jesus said, go and learn. Learn this statement that I desire compassion and mercy, not sacrifice. Now listen to these words by Warren Wiersbe, former pastor of Moody Memorial Church, as he writes about the attitude of one person in a legalistic group, who, a legalistic group within Christianity who finds out about a fellow brother from another Christian group that this brother has fallen into sin. Wiersbe writes, the legalist rejoices when a brother falls and often gives the matter wide publicity because then he can boast about his own goodness and how much better his group is than the group to which the fallen brother belongs. That is so typical. He is so right. That is how many within Christian circles act and think. They're delighted when they hear that somebody has fallen. Their attitude is, I told you so, because he's not in our group, and he's, he's, not, as, he's not as bound by the rules and and all the high standards we have. Wiersbe's right. So folks, be aware of how important it is to walk in the Spirit and not be a a condemning legalist. Because only those who walk in the Spirit can obey this command to compassionately restore those who have fallen into sin. And they do it without lowering the standards of Scripture. They do it with the right attitude of gentleness and the right motive of love. So the first way that Paul teaches that spiritual believers serve One another is that they restore those who have fallen into sin. But Paul moves on in the next few verses to give a second way that spiritual believers serve each other, which we touched upon last week, but we really didn't complete. Spiritual believers not only restore those who have fallen into sin, but secondly, Paul says, they bear one another's burdens. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now, although it is a broad biblical New Testament truth and principle that we are to help carry the load of any believer who is weighed down with any kind of care, all kinds of care, regardless of what those cares might be, it would appear that what Paul has in mind here is bearing the burdens of those who are are in the process of being restored back to fellowship. In other words, we are to help struggling, repentant believers with any 
burdens they might have that's related to the sin that they're trying to overcome, which could be anything. It could be anything from feelings of guilt that for what they've done in the past or to a burden of remorse over their sin to ongoing temptation to fall back into the same sin again, and on and on it goes. Whatever might be related to their sin, we are to help them by coming alongside of them and encouraging them. Whatever the struggles might be, this ministry of bearing one another's burdens is very important. It involves coming alongside of someone who is weighed down like this with heavy things in their lives, and we help them to carry those heavy burdens because they're just too weighty for one person. That's why God has given the body of Christ to help, and and we carry these burdens by doing very practical things practical things, such as praying for them. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, mean it. Do it. Pray with them. Give them biblical advice and counsel. And I, and I don't mean by that that you have to be in a room and be a professional counselor. I mean, tell them the truth of the Word of God because you know that they are being deceived by Satan. Satan will whisper in their hearts, how can God love somebody like you? How could he forgive you after what you've done? How could you possibly go back to that church after you sinned like you did. That's all satanic deception. So we come alongside of people and we give them the truth. We give them the truth of God's word that God does love you. That God accepts you back. We tell them the truth. We also hold them accountable so that they, and it makes it more difficult for them to fall back in that sin again since they would be terribly embarrassed to have to admit to you that they sin like that. We give them reassurance, as I said, of God's love, of complete forgiveness in Christ. We once again go over the cross and what the, what the gospel really is. And we do anything else we can to help them in, this, in the burdens that they're bearing concerning the struggles with their sin. Now, this is how, Paul says, a spiritual believer treats a brother or sister in Christ who has fallen into sin and has been restored or is in the process of being restored. We don't shun them. We don't ignore them. We welcome them back into the fold, into our fellowship, and we do everything we possibly can to help them get reestablished in their relationship with Christ and the people of their church. And we do this simply because we love them. No ulterior motives. We love them since as followers of Christ, we are committed to obeying the principle of love that Jesus taught us, that we are to love one another he said, as I have loved you. This is, as Paul calls it here in Galatians 6, 2, this is the law of Christ. The law, the principle of love that he set down. It's the law of loving others in a sacrificial, self-giving way. And when we obey this law of love, we are actually fulfilling the very Mosaic law because the Mosaic law, as Paul said in Galatians five fourteen, summed up in these words, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. You'll love your neighbor as yourself, so you love one another. You help them carry your burdens. You fulfill the law of Christ. You, you fulfill, in summary form, the Mosaic law. Now, folks, this ministry of bearing one another's burdens is terribly important because we all struggle with sin. We all need one another to help us. It's something that all of us should be involved in because this ministry of compassionate burden bearing, it does reflect the heart of God. Jesus came not to condemn but to help people, to help them be restored through repentance. And it's something that comes naturally 
to a Christian who is walking by the Spirit. Because when we walk by the Spirit, we think of others. We put them ahead of ourselves. We care about their spiritual welfare. And that's why Martin Luther, the reformer, said Christians must have strong shoulders and mighty bones sturdy enough to carry heavy burdens. Sadly, though, here's reality. Sadly, though, there are many Christians who are not interested at all in bearing the burdens of of someone who has fallen into sin and is now struggling to get reestablished in their walk with Christ. There are some Christians who are just not willing to be patient and to help others who struggle. Now, if that's true of you, there is a reason for your wrong attitude. Not only does this prove that you are you are not walking in the Spirit, and therefore you are too consumed with yourself to be interested in others, but I can tell you exactly what the source of your problem is. In other words, I can tell you what is holding you back from helping a brother or sister struggle who's struggling with the sin problem. And I can tell you this not because I'm particularly bright, but because I read ahead. I read in verse 3 what Paul said, because Paul spells out the reason in verse 3 for this lack of loving compassion toward a fellow Christian who's loaded down with sin-related burdens. Now, this is where we left off last week, because I threw out a little teaser to you to come back and find out why someone would refuse to bear the burdens of another. Well, Paul tells us why in verse 3. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Now, these words by Paul sound very similar, do they not, to what the veteran missionary said to the New missionary, you are nothing, take it by faith. But question is, what does Paul mean by this statement? If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. What is the apostle talking about? And why would he say something like this here? Because frankly, at first glance, this sounds somewhat out of place, disconnected, unrelated to what Paul's been talking about concerning bearing the burdens of those who are being restored to the Lord. However, it's not out of place. It's not disconnected. It is, it is directly related to what Paul has been telling the Galatians. Listen closely. What the apostle is saying is that the only reason a Christian isn't willing to help and restore and bear the burdens of those who are struggling with sin is because he thinks that he's better than they are. Thinks that he's better. He's morally superior to this person, this Christian who's fallen into sin. That is to say, he considers himself above such people, above such things as carrying the sin burdens of those who have stumbled. In fact, he finds this work of carrying their burdens demeaning beneath his dignity. And he feels this way because he considers himself morally better than this fellow Christian who has been overpowered by temptation and sin. He feels this would never happen to him. He's incapable of falling into such a sin as this weak person did. And he has no interest in helping this stumbling man. Instead of assisting a struggling believer, his attitude says, as one Bible teacher suggested, he got himself into this mess, let him get, him, let him get himself out of it. I'm not about to help him. It serves him right for what he did. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he suffered terrible consequences. But he had a friend, Nathan the prophet, who came to him with a wonderfully gentle but brutally accurate illustration that showed David the error of his ways. It was just what David needed. All of us are just as capable as David to be in need of that kind of help, and we're also capable of providing it 
if we stay sensitive and available. I'm glad you could be here today. Verse by Verse is a daily study of the Word of God led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can learn more about Lakeside, including directions and service times at lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Today's lesson is part of a series about the practical results of true spirituality. If you just joined us and would like to catch up on what you missed, all of our previous broadcasts are free to download or stream at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have a giving page if you'd like to help with the cost of producing and airing these programs. The giving is easy and secure, and the gifts are tax-deductible. We appreciate the generous listeners who play such a vital role in this ministry. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. The scripture is full of warnings about having any attitude of superiority, or really any kind of comparison between ourselves and others. Join us next time on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve shows us why we should never feel superior to anyone, no matter how they might have failed. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by Faith Talk 570. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.